um, yesterday I um, volunteered for the first time at a um, sanctuary farm. What? So, yeah, I was like, wait, I did do something exciting. <laughs> I like, cleaned up like big shit. And <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Okay, that worked this time. Hello. Good Hello. to see you. The same. Your hair looks so cute, Deanna. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I had long hair for the longest time, remember? Yeah, I know. And, um, yeah, it never looked cute, so chopped it all off. I don't think that's true, but, <laughs> but your hair looks super cute short. Pain in the ass. Thank you. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to chop it. <laughs> I know. I'm, re- I'm ready to cut it. I need to give myself another trim time but I'm also trying to grow it out a little tiny bit to change the cut a little bit so it's one of those things where it's going to be like a long process of growing mm-hmm. it out even though my hair grows really fast so that's annoying well, looks what good. are you going to do yeah <laughs> <laughs> um are you drinking tonight I am what are you drinking I have some <laughs> red wine okay and, yeah how about you <laughs> sparkling rosé oh, it's like that looks fancy <laughs> basic um it's my cb2 glasses oh, which yeah. i always take any chance to use my cb2 glasses they're so cute it's like, mine's a silly your argument your argument is irrelevant <laughs> <laughs> like one of my friends gave it to me that is like, so okay. cute and you know what a punny wine glass is perfect for you yeah <laughs> That's so cute. I love it. Um, yeah, these these uh robes and wine nights are really making our personalities come through mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit. Um, did anything good happen this week? Anything at all? No, just yeah, just dealing with this crazy weather and working on my taxes. So not fun. Oh God, I forgot about tax. Oh my God, I forgot about taxes. <laughs> You still have some time. <laughs> it's March. I was like, I forgot oh, about my shit, taxes, but nope. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I was just thinking, oh, no big deal. It's like February. I still have some time. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, it's in March. Shit. Okay. Well, there's that. Yeah. Uh, so I know what I'll be doing next weekend. <laughs> um, no, it's been raining over here too. And we planted, you know, I told you we planted some seeds in the garden like mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago when it was still dry, like right before the rain started. And I told you how we buried George Michael in the front yard. Yeah. Because <laughs> we have grass, like that's the only place we have like soil. Um, but I just went to check on the garden to go see how the, the plants are doing. And they're still there, which makes me very happy because it's been raining really hard. And they were kind of small when we put them in the ground. But I'm seeing the peas are starting to come up but more importantly george michael's area his like headstone and the shape of the square area that we dug out has sunk in <laughs> just as i thought because <laughs> you know it's cardboard it's been raining so yeah. yeah now we have to get more soil and um bury him again <laughs> or, oh. or more or continue yeah. however you want to put that and i'm like damn it <laughs> Now I'm worried about the smell. Now I'm like, will it smell? I have no idea, but like, I can't imagine that it wouldn't, right? A decaying rabbit? Yeah, 
probably have. I don't know. Anyone who's ever buried a pet <laughs> in the backyard in a in a biodegradable like cardboard box, let me know what I can look forward to here. I, mean, I just buried my cat too, also in a cardboard box, but um, my dad was here and he dug the hole and I made him go like three feet down. So. I did too. I made oh. Jeff go really deep. I said, go deep because I don't yeah. want any risks of like yeah. raccoons digging exactly. him up or anything like that. And just to be respectful. Oh, and that's still, yeah. It still came still, in. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the box that we used for Georgie, I, it was like an Amazon box and I was in my like depressed haze of like, I have to get this chore done and I'm mm. sad at the same time. So I took a, an Amazon box that was way too big and I cut it completely flat and I made an entirely new box out of the Amazon box. Yeah. Um, and so I made it high enough just to like be the right height for his body uh, depth. Mm. So it's not like it's a super deep hole, but it is definitely like collapsed in. I, I'm imagining that under the ground, it has soaked up all of the water from the rain and then it's starting to like flatten out. Oh, yeah. So, um yeah, I got to go get more soil. And it feels so weird buying soil, you know? But I think I need to go buy some soil. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. Of, I don't know how I completely forgot this. Um, yesterday, I um, volunteered for the first time at a um, sanctuary farm. What? So, yeah, I was like, wait, I did do something exciting. <laughs> I like, cleaned up like big shit. And <laughs> <laughs> Got to pet the goats, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. We're yeah. in Temecula? Yeah, so I didn't even know. I, I just found out about this place, like, literally, I think, like, last Friday, and then, like, sent an email and went there yesterday. Oh, my um, gosh. That sounds so fun. Yeah, so it was really nice, but I was worried because um, it's kind of, like, up in the the mountains, and the roads, it was, like, on a dirt road, which was all mud. So oh, my really? car was kind of, like, <laughs> sliding, and I was like, oh, I hope I don't get stuck. Um, oh crap hmm. yeah but yeah it was, it was cool to hang out what with a animals. racket <laughs> <laughs> what a racket I'm sure your husband kind of makes fun of this too like I tell me would Monty make fun of the concept of this if you told him <laughs> what you were doing oh he's not happy <laughs> he's just not thinking like <laughs> it's a good use of my time or oh, he's God. worried I'm gonna get like crazy and take all of our money and try to save the animals <laughs> Okay, that he knows you very well. He knows me very well. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> that, that's a legitimate concern. Um, no, I I think it's so funny because like we we would do something like that. Like we would totally inconvenience ourselves to go like take care of animals on someone else's farm or sanctuary because yeah. <laughs> it's so enjoyable for us too. Um, and along those same lines, like have you ever gone like potato digging up in Petaluma? No. Like pick your own potatoes or pick your own pumpkins, that kind of thing. Mm-mm, no. Well, okay. I, sorry, I like something in my eye. Okay. <laughs> <It's> going crazy. <laughs> We're falling this apart here, people. Oh, yeah. yeah, but the oh, night ones get wild. Okay, <laughs> the night recordings get a little bit unhinged. But um, no, I had a friend who used to live up in San Francisco with me, and we would go on the weekends. This is back when Jeff was still in San Diego, so I was like. Mm living the high life <laughs> by myself um and I'm like oh yeah we went to Petaluma today to go dig potatoes and 
got a bag full of like really, really good, you know, um, Dutch butter baby tomato potatoes. <laughs> and he's like, let me get this straight. You guys drove an hour and a half to go to a farm to pay to dig your own potatoes. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, yes, yes, I did. It's an experience. And he's like, oh, my God, is this what the city has done to you? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah. And I think maybe those people who have the little farm are onto something. <laughs> God, did you ever see that? Like, it's not a doc. I don't. I don't think it's a documentary. I would consider that like a full-on production of like the the little farm. It sounds it's familiar. On, I feel like yeah, the one on Hulu. Yeah. I think. Okay. Uh, um, probably watched. I'll send you the link. Okay. It's very aspirational. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you think that you can move to Ojai and like start your own little farm with animals nice. and uh yeah this whole like um eco smart system of farming and everything um and yes anyone can do it but no it's it's clearly a very well thought out process and it's very expensive to do and maintain um and then of course the fires like oh, yeah. that was like part of it too was the the fires were happening um during the documentary or the the recording of it and so they were um kind of showing the aftermath of that and like how how they had to like kind of just open up the pens and hope that they can get out the animals can get out oh man yeah so think yeah. about that the next time you're at the sanctuary we had bad fires like very close i think in october um so one of the other volunteers there she told me they had to evacuate and they actually took all of the animals um, oh they were able to load them up yeah, they were able to let them up. And luckily, the fire didn't get that far, but it just That's did it as a precaution. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, now every time, like, <laughs> now my husband just has all these, like, you know, comments and, oh, you can <laughs> take care of the other animals and <laughs> clean their shit, but you don't clean the kitty litter and, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think about that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you clean the kitty litters. <laughs> You know, there's a um, so I live out by like the the base and the ferries and all that stuff, and there's a place here called uh, Maker's Farm. I don't fully know what it is. I think it's a co-op for like artists and um, folks who are super super into composting and like that mm. kind of like regenerative gardening. Um, it looks really cool. It smells really bad, but it's it's like all composting they have animals out there and I think what they're doing is like you can pay to reserve a spot on the farm like um like an area you have your own little area right like cubicle basically of space and you can use that space to do whatever you need to do like for your welding or your farm work or whatever but some people have goats and some people have pigs um, and chickens and it's just so cool and bees there's a lot of bees there Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a cute idea. If I had more space, if I had more land, I would definitely have more animals. Me too. I would definitely. have some chickens. Chickens yeah. has been like number one on my list for a long time. I, I remember you've been talking about it. Yeah. And quail, right? Yeah, quails. Yeah. <laughs> Even before the whole like eggflation thing, <laughs> you know, quails have been higher on the list just because they're smaller, they're more compact, they're more practical for me. Yeah. Um, and they're adorable. I just learned yesterday that um, 
I guess um, the volunteer I was working with, she said she had it before she left. She's like, I need to go check if the chickens um, laid any eggs because she was going to go crack them. To crack feed them? back to Because she says oh. they feed them back to the chickens. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that they like do feed them back and like the shells and everything are good for them, ironically, for like the, the calcium and yeah. help with like egg laying. It's kind of gross when you think about it. Chickens are very like savage. Um, it's not a pretty endeavor to have chickens, but I do like having fresh eggs. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's probably worth all of the hassle and the pain. Yeah. I told my husband, I'm like, I'm learning how to take care of the animals. So, you know, one day we can have the big ranch with all the animals. And But he wants to have it in Cyprus, not California. <laughs> Why not both? I know. <laughs> <laughs> what Like in Cyprus, um, do they have any like, particular um what are those called not flocks um herds or like animals like uh we did there was goats crossing the street monday when we were in one of the villages um i know they have goats uh i'm not sure what else really they also are known for potatoes you were talking about potatoes (laughs) (laughs) i love a good old potato um what about like cattle do they do any kind of like beef cattle I'm not sure. Yeah, hmm. I'm sure they do, but the only Maybe. thing I saw were goats. Well, I know I, I know goats are really big in the Mediterranean. Yeah, Maybe you guys can bring. Well, I don't know. It's a terrible for the environment, but like cattle to the island and have like a whole monopoly on, <laughs> on beef. No, <laughs> no. Not, I don't even eat meat. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Oh my god, you're so funny. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. My family though in Italy that I don't know. I've never met them, but um they actually make cheese and really? from the goats, yeah. Ooh. They have like a whole I don't know. Yeah. Store, like a shop, they sell cheese and different I guess dairy products and they raise all these sheep. You haven't tried it yet though? Mm-mm. Mm. No, but one of these days I'll I'll get over there, hopefully. That would be cool to try to make. Yeah. I don't know. I've always been very into like the whole even before the hipsters were into making their own like artisanal whatnots. I think Lucy inspired me when she and Ethel <laughs> made chocolates. I'm like, I wanna try that. That's all it takes. You just roll yeah. it. <laughs> um, but I've always wanted to do like a chocolate making class. Or um, a glass blowing class. I've oh, always yeah, wanted to learn really cool. that. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, or pottery. I really want to do pottery. And I know there's some pottery places around, but it's one of those things where you just like, I wish I had it closer, you know, because mm-hmm. you'd want to do it more times to practice it and get better at it. Um, but yeah, that is down the bucket list. Maybe I'll turn the. Well, see, the thing is, I already have plans for the garage. I'm turning the garage into a woodshed. I need That's so cool, a woodshed yeah. space to like do all my home renovations. Have you done like started anything with the the basement or anything? I haven't started anything with the basement because it's been raining, and also mm-hmm. I'm like that seems like a big project that we need to do with a contractor just to like make everything livable and up to code. Mm-hmm. But um, I did, you know, we put up the curtains in the kitchen um, two weeks ago, and it looks really good. Um, but it, I'm going to fine tune it and change the curtains out to a different one and paint 
um, I wanted, because right now we have like natural wood um, windowsills and doors and it doesn't look good. It's not like, it's not at all attractive. It's like very orangey, mm. um, like not laminate. What do they put over it? The, like a glossy lacquer basically over the wood. Um, and I recently got some swatches and put them up and everything to see which color I wanted to paint it. And I am liking this like midnight blue, this like dark midnight blue from Bear, I think. So the next step is waiting for some sunshine so I can just check it in the sunlight too and yeah. see how it looks. Because the problem is like my neighbors um, next door to us, like on the kitchen side of the house, wonderful people, but their their house is, is like super bright green and so it reflects like it has a it throws a cast into my kitchen and makes everything like a greenish shade Mm. um that makes me actually kind of nauseous (laughs) so so the original color of our kitchen was this like light mint sky blue color so that bluish color combined with the green cast from the neighbor's house like just would make me really nauseous and so I painted it like a warm white. Like I think we went with um, Swiss Cafe. Like oh, a- yeah. That's what we, the color we used in our other house. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very yeah. popular color. You can't yeah. go wrong. It's like a good warm Oh, man. I have so much white. leftover paint that I would have given to you. Um, so we went with that. And it looks really good. And I'm like, at nighttime, it looks great. You know, yeah. the lights are on and everything. Awesome. Daytime, morning looks great. And then the afternoon, I'm like, what the hell? That green cast is coming back in and making it kind of green still. So I'm like, crap. So um, that's annoying. But next, you know, next project on the list is like, let's just do the blue and then we'll change the curtains out a little bit. And I think that'll help too. Because I think the most important thing is dampening the sound in the kitchen. Mm. So loud. Like the, everything just bounces, like the hardwood floors with the, everything is hard in there. Yeah. (laughs) I know most kitchens are loud, but like, it's just, it's really loud when the kids are around and everyone's talking. It's echoey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what we're uh, thinking about next. Nice. And then I just booked some, well, I booked my trip to Mexico. Oh, you did? Yes. Um, May, you said? Yeah. End of May. End of May, beginning of June. And then like, you know, it's one of those things where I like, I won't believe it until we're actually on the plane and it touches down in Mexico, yeah. we're in Mexico, you know, so I'm not like getting too excited yet because I need to make sure that my aunt can come up and watch the kids. Um, and then I have one more trip in December for um, London. Yes. But that one's really far away and I'm really like, oh my God, please. I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. Nothing happened, please. Yeah. <laughs> Between now and then, nothing happened. Everyone yeah. just be cool. <laughs> have you taken the kids on the plane? I have taken Otto. Ozzy's a pandemic baby, so no, he's yeah. he hasn't been on the plane yet. And I, I am, you know, my biggest concern is like being in the airport for a couple of hours before we take off. Um, it's really hard to keep them in one spot, so I can see that being a pain in the ass. And then also trying to do that with their mask on because I am not willing to risk getting sick and then ruining our vacation Mm -hmm. so a lot of uh a lot of stresses and I don't even know if it'll be worth it but I'm willing to risk it so I'm sure it will be (laughs) because you know 
two years ago when Ozzy was born, a couple months later, we took him to the snow, Otto and Ozzy, because we didn't, you know, I felt bad for Otto that he was like missing all these milestones with COVID and everything and now a baby. So I'm like, screw it. Let's just all get in the car. I'm on mat leave. I don't have anyone to be accountable for (laughs) right now. So um, we'll drive to Bear Lake or whatever that is up here. I can't remember. Um, It's Bear something. And go play in the snow. And it was pretty fun. Like there was really good snow. But it was six hours in the car with two kids for about an hour and a half, two hours worth of snow play. And Otto loved it. It was memorable for him. And he had a wonderful time. He still talks about it. But I <laughs> came back and as uh, you know, sharing on our family Instagram to everyone else who is away from us. And I'm like, totally not worth it. I will not be doing that again. Yeah. <laughs> we go next time we have to stay over or something because I am not driving that many hours mm-hmm. because we also had to do pit stops. Otto was potty training. He had to, we had to stop somewhere in the middle of nowhere in a parking lot and let him go pee in the trunk and oh, man. <laughs> everyone breastfed. <laughs> um, oh yeah. I forgot the breastfeeding scheduling and like that whole thing is, I am so glad that part's over. Yeah. <laughs> so, Hopefully, uh, going on a plane won't be terrible. That's all I'm hoping for. I hope it will just be fine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So um, today we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the crazy things that we see and just some of the uh, kind of like pulling back the curtain a little bit. You know, like I think we talk a lot about how our goals are to kind of lift the industry as a whole by being really transparent with what everyone's seeing because I think that in um, different chat groups or however you're communicating within your industry, we're only sharing what we want to share, right? Um, But now and then, just like in school, you know, you have questions and sometimes you don't know if this is like the appropriate place to bring them up or, hey, is like everyone else experiencing this thing too? No, you're not. Oh, yeah, me neither. I was just asking (laughs) and asking for a friend type of situation. (laughs) So I think it's important to kind of talk a little bit about some of the things that everyone's experiencing or a few people have experienced um, and where we sit on on like on these issues to help guide folks who might run into the same problem or have run into the same problem. So, for example, a recent question that I got from one of my favorite people in the whole world um, was that their client wanted to sign the agreement with them. Like they wanted to hire this company um, for, for their wedding video services and they wanted to sign as their own business. Um, And actually this was, this is one of my favorite clients for sure, but it was a floral contract, not a video contract. Um, And yeah, they wanted to sign instead of as like, me, the bride personally, can I want to sign it under my business LLC. Even though it's for a wedding, it's not for like any kind of company event or anything like that. Um, client's question, my client's question was like, what do you think about this? What should I do? And to me, you know, legally speaking, when you sign a contract, the parties to the contract are the ones that are um, liable under the agreement, right? And so like, if you want 
you know, our job is to think about the worst case scenarios. So let's say that they breach the contract in this case, right? And they don't pay you. Who do you go after? In that case, you're going to have to go after the LLC. You're going to have to go after the, um, the business that signed the contract instead of the bride and groom personally. Um, whether or not that is like legal, <laughs> if you, you know, under the rules of having an LLC and how you have like a fiduciary duty as an owner of an LLC, that is definitely questionable. However, it's not going to prevent them from shielding themselves from, from you if you were to try to go after them. Right. So, um, in that situation, I was like, no, that's more of it's the bigger issues that that's a red flag, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're doing something that's just not on the up and up and they're, it could be for many reasons. It could be one, they might want to file bankruptcy under the business name and maybe one of your debts will go away with it could be a tax write-off or they want to do it as a business expense, which is like, yeah, not really, that's not really a business expense. And that seems really shady. I don't want to, um, be involved in your tax fraud. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Deanna? Man, I agree with everything you said. Um, definitely a red flag, very shady. Um, yeah, maybe too, like, I mean, probably unlikely, but maybe they thought, oh, I just won't pay. And then she can mm -hmm. come after my company that has no money because, you know, it's pretty There's easy no to just make an LLC. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. There's no assets in the company at all. Um, my my thought is always going to be about, like, payment, right? Like, are you changing the name because you don't want to pay it? Mm -hmm. Are you going to get try to get out of the payment? Um, something not quite this similar, not, like, not to this extent, but something similar did happen to me when I was shooting. I had a client who hired me for photography services. Um, and I think she was more trying to kill two birds with one stone because she also like had a side business as a, um, she wanted to launch her own wedding floral designing company. And so she was doing her own flowers, of course, and she intended to use my photos um, to help promote her business. But of course, when you engage your clients for their, you know, for their wedding, the license agreement is going to be a personal use license, not a commercial use license. Um, so that's probably the only other similar situation that I've had personally, where somebody also had like, like business incentives, right? Mm -hmm. Um, in case you're wondering in that situation, I did go ahead and grant that client a commercial license to use the photos anyway, because I would have done that for the florist. So, you know, no harm, no foul. I just wanted her to, it's important for the person to be upfront about their uses of the photos. And I don't want to punish anyone for that especially because it wouldn't have mattered. I would have given the floral designer, yeah. you know, a, a commercial use license for their use of the photos. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting question. Um, another, okay, so this one comes up a ton. Deanna, you want to read the second one? Yeah, the second one is uh, the client wants to make the indemnification cause um, mutual. Yes. Mutual meaning it goes both ways and um, they can enforce that clause against each other both ways. We've said it before. We want to say it again because I can't stress enough how important this is. And I think that anytime a client reaches out to you and they like have questions about the contract or they want to make suggestions, especially if they're redlining the contract a lot, huge red flags to me. Huge, huge. Right. Um, before we can get to the answer on this one, I will also add that 
Many times when a client responds to you and says, I'm a lawyer, they usually are not a lawyer. (laughs) They themselves are usually not a lawyer. Um, The times that I have had someone say, I've asked my mom to look at this, she's a lawyer or my dad or whatever, those people usually are lawyers. But guess what? They're usually not lawyers that work in the sphere of small businesses Mm -hmm. or, or like service agreements. So just remember to take everything with a grain of salt and seek your own advice. Don't just like get scared off by that. That tactic definitely works to scare people off. I mean, we tell our clients a lot of times to tell them that you're talking to a lawyer so that they can back off a little bit and not give you such a hard time. Um, But Deanna, what do we think about number two? So now you definitely don't want the indemnification clause to be mutual, Um, you know, for Example, let's say you're a photographer and you're, um, you know, the space is just overcrowded and, you know, you don't have a choice of the space that your clients booked. So you just have to, you know, try to set your equipment up um, in the best way to get the best photos. And, you know, you can try to make it as safe as possible, but you, you know, you can't guarantee that someone might not like someone may trip over it either again, because it's just crowded or maybe they had too much to drink. So in that case, if one of the guests, um, you know, were to get hurt, you don't want um, them to be able to sue you. So that's. Yeah. And and remember, like indemnification is it's always going to involve at least three parties. Right. It's going to be more than two parties every time. Um, and when we think of indemnification, think about insurance. Think about the the idea basically means that. The party that's not being sued is going to step into the shoes of one of the parties that is being sued. That's the scenario that we're talking about when we say indemnification. And exactly, Dan, I'm like, that's exactly right. You are one component of a multi-component production, right, as a, as a vendor, right? Whether that is the floral designer or the photographer or the planner, you're just one piece of the whole puzzle. And you don't have control over the environment or what happens at the party, or like like you said, like maybe a guest is unruly, um, maybe they're overserved, maybe the whole wedding is overserved, right? And so in the situation where somebody hurts themselves and somehow it's related back to you and your business, right? The indemnification clause, at least in our contract, says that the bride and groom will indemnify you, the person who's being sued, the the business. Um, But it only goes in one direction, Mm -hmm. meaning that you would not step into the shoes of the bride and groom if the bride and groom were to be sued by um, someone at their wedding for something related to your business. So if you flip that around and said, instead of a guest who sued you, the photographer, maybe it's your own second shooter. Maybe your own second shooter trips over your stuff and they turn around and they say, then they sue the bride and groom because it was their wedding and, um, you know, you're their vendor (laughs) hired by them. Um, You would not indemnify the bride and the groom in that situation for the same reasons that we talked about earlier, which is like maybe it's overcrowded, maybe the guests are overserved you're not in enough control of the event and you don't, they don't get to get out of it just because it's somebody that you had to bring along as part of your contract to fulfill your obligations. 
So um, anytime, you know, anytime I've ever had one of my clients, my contract clients come back to me and say that their client wants the indemnification clause to be mutual, I tell them, you know, here are the reasons why. And no matter what, at the end of the day, do not do it. Don't do it. You might have to walk away from that client if they really don't understand. Um, So keep that in mind. Um, Along the same lines of like mutual... uh, I'm drinking too much. Along the same lines of mutual clauses, what's the word for that? Mutuality? Mutualness? <laughs> like mutuality. I promise I smart, guys. In the daytime, I smart. Um, <laughs> um, mutuality? It's, it's like a blank in my head now. It's like a poof. It's gone. I don't know what it is. Um, but one of the clauses that people used to ask about a lot was making the attorney's fees contract clause mutual. And that I do agree with that one. I do agree with, at least in California, right? We have laws around fairness, of course, and contracts and attorney fees are typically, um, it's typically reasonable to make those mutually available to the prevailing party okay i mean you can always say in your contract that it goes one way and if the parties agree to it and they were lucid you could probably enforce that but i don't think that that is something that is worth fighting over or losing a client over or quibbling over especially because it might make the client more distrustful of you if you Mm -hmm. decline on something that is not um not nearly as severe as like the indemnity Yep. The next one is um, the client wanted to make the retainer refundable in case there are shutdowns again. What are we thinking <laughs> <No>. about that? <laughs> Definitely don't do that. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about this many, many, many times. Um, Number one, call it a booking fee. Booking fee, yes. <laughs> right. Number one, yeah. it's a booking fee. Yeah. Number two, okay, in the specific case, Deanna, like make the retainer fee refundable in case there are shutdowns again. What do we think about that? Well, there could be shutdowns again, but it's not unforeseeable anymore. We know that exactly. this could potentially happen after COVID. Um, yeah, yeah, this shouldn't be a surprise anymore. And it's it's not only that it shouldn't be a surprise, like we all do know it, but I think in the beginning when the pandemic happened, um, the, the term force majeure was thrown around so casually that people kind of like equated that as, okay, if there's a shutdown, force majeure is going to save me and I'm going to be able to cancel this contract. Mm-hmm. And that's really not what that means. Force majeure refers to unforeseeable acts of God, unforeseeable events that are out of the party's control. The key being that it's unforeseeable and it's out of the party's control. <laughs> okay. Those two <laughs> things are really, really, really important. Um, and they also have to make it, um, impossible or economically unviable to continue with the contract. So that doesn't mean that you can just get out of any contract. If the force majeure event, the act of God does not impact the performance, you know, under the contract of, of either person, then it's not going to apply and it won't stop, um, the, the responsibilities, the duties to perform under the contract. Um, 
So if a client wants to make the refund the retainer refundable in the event that there's another government shutdown, that's a hard no because they wouldn't be allowed to cancel the contract under force majeure anyway. So um, so now, practically speaking, how do you deal with that then? Because it's like it's a fair concern for people. At least it was like two years ago. I think people don't care anymore now. Um, but I do think that something similar could happen. And, you know, I think the answer in that situation is stand by your booking fees. If, if you have a good contract, a good solid contract that talks about how it's earned and, and everything is in place, and let's just assume that legally speaking, you are on solid footing that you get to, that you've already earned your um, booking fee. Uh, you know, you can always choose to waive clauses in your contract um, and it won't be an ongoing waiver. You can say, you know, let's, I'm going to require that you have an alternative location. Um, if you're that concerned, you need to have an alternative plan because I will not return your booking fee. Um, so just to clarify that one for any clients that want to make the retainer refundable in the event that there are shutdowns again, the key word is again, meaning that that negates unforeseeability. So any force majeure clauses that there might be that exist already are not going to kick in. And any, any um, request to make exceptions to the retainer would be a complete extra, like that would be an extraneous clause, meaning that that is not something that you are required to do um, and it's not automatic. So if you decide that you want to do that, be, you know, people always, there's so much, businesses are so much nicer um, when it comes to debating clauses and policies on Facebook. Like, oh, I would never do that. I would never charge my clients this and I would never make them pay this or wouldn't refund their money. But it's very much the other way when <laughs> the event actually happens and it's time to fork over some money. Mm -hmm. So really be honest with yourself and think about how you're going to feel in that situation if that were to happen to you and give yourself space to make choices, right? So you can always choose to waive it. And by waive it, I mean apply that booking fee to another future date, but be clear about when they need to set that future date. Um, or you can say, I will only make it refundable um, in the event that you guys have a backup plan and for some reason that backup plan doesn't work, right? Um, for example, that could be having uh, the event at a friend's large backyard. And if for some reason having it at that private space doesn't work, then maybe I'll make it refundable there. Whatever. Those are alternative ideas that you can think about, but really just ask yourself, how do you think you're going to fare when it's time to fork over the money if you agree to those terms? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Oh, I, this happened to me one time, and this was definitely somebody that I um, politely declined to serve. <laughs> um, client wants to pay after they get their photos or their services. So let me let me set the situation. Like, I had a wonderful client, a dream client that I worked with, and um, just one of my favorite people still. She had a lot of friends. One of them was engaged to be married. 
that person reached out to me and wanted to hire me for their wedding. And um, this was in a pretty niche uh, market. So there's not a lot of um, photographers of like our style and caliber in that area, right? So, you know, I spoke with a person. They usually when I get a referral from one of my clients, it's great. It's wonderful. Just, you know, that's the best way because it's kind of like vetting, like self-vetting. Um, but in this situation, the person that I spoke with for my dream client was like the sister of the person's friend or something. Um, and she was not a dream client. And she wanted a ton of changes to the contract and the most important one being um, that they did not want to pay the full balance before the wedding date. They wanted to pay it after they received their album. And I tried to explain to them in many different ways that like, number one, no, it's not my policy to take payment after services. It's simply not. And number two, her concerns were that like, um, oh, my sister got married and her photographer took forever to give her her album and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't, I don't want to pay you before I get my album. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry for those experiences, but I've never done that. And I'm not willing to change my policies because you had an experience with somebody else. Um, and also it costs money to do things like make an album and an album was not part of the package. So who even knows if she was going to buy an album, right? Um, there were many reasons, but I will not budge on things like, on, on like the order in which I receive payment, you know, like I would be willing to do a payment plan for the, um, payment leading up to the due date. If that helps you better, you know, like if the last payment is due 30 days before the wedding, I'm happy to help you and do small billings, um, all the way up so that you make your last payment 30 days before the wedding, but you don't get to make it after the wedding or 10 days before the wedding, you, you know, it's just not going to work like that within my parameters. I'm willing to work with you. Um, so yeah, that, that was my personal experience and that was a hard no for me. Now let's say that you are, um, someone who is a lot more like amenable than I am and somebody who's a lot more flexible and you, you decide to do that. Well, think about what the consequences are, right? Deanna, like, what could I do? I think the only thing, the only people, like the only vendors who really have any kind of leverage to enforce the rights of the contract after services have been rendered and before payment has actually occurred is probably the photographer and the videographer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone else is like, you, you like You've you ate reported. the cake. Yeah. <laughs> cake is gone. Yeah. Um, the hair and makeup, that's, it's been done. Thanks so much. Like you're going to chase them down with a makeup wipe, which, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that would be so funny. I would die laughing. I might be drinking too much. <laughs> like that's really funny. <laughs> the idea of a makeup artist, like chasing down a bridesmaid with a makeup wipe because she didn't pay is like, that just tickles me. <laughs> oh, that's a very funny image. <laughs> or like pulling out the hair. I'm here for the lashes. 
<laughs> oh my god. But these are <laughs> spray them with a the water bomb <laughs> on their face and their hair. <laughs> oh my But these are the things that we <laughs> sometimes it's funny, like our uh, um worst case scenarios, but these are the things that we have to think about because like what is your leverage after you've performed? Um when I say that photographers and videographers probably have the most leverage after they perform. What I mean by that is that you have copyright and you have licensing, right? Those are rights that you retain and that survive. If your contract is drafted correctly and you have a clause in there that says that, you know, your license is contingent upon full payment of the services, that's going to help you a lot because if they don't pay you, um, you could sue them for copyright infringement. Right. So no one wants to sue their client, okay? Like, I know that. I get that. No one wants to sue their client. And that's why That's why the terms of the contracts that we provide are the way that they are, so that everyone stays out of trouble and no one has to go through the trouble of enforcing it because, like, it's just so clear, black and white, like, don't make me do this right now. Because I will do it and I will win. Um, so yeah, that is, that's my response to that one. Just come on, man. Like walk away. <laughs> Just walk away from me right now. Um, you want to do the next one? Yeah. Um, and the next one is adding clauses to the force majeure um, clause that are not force majeure clauses. So I know we kind of touched on that before. So yeah. you, know, you can't be just adding things that... Um, you know, maybe like a death in the story family time, or... story time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, yeah. Tell us like what you've seen, Deanna. I've, I've seen some um, contracts that I've reviewed where people just kind of add a lot of situation scenarios um, to the force majeure clause that are not, like I said, <laughs> don't belong there. Like they're not um, unforeseeable. They're not, um, they're not like acts of God that yeah. affect the contract in any kind of way, right? Like, like you were saying, like if grandma dies, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very sorry that that's happened to you. Um, and I've actually had a few weddings myself where grandma of the bride or groom did die like mm -hmm. the day before. It's shocking <laughs> how many times that's happened, actually. Um, but that is not a force majeure made. No. Unfortunately. No. They have to be unforeseeable, acts of God or insurrection or government shutdown or war, something that is much larger and impacts the ability of the parties to perform under the agreement. Yeah, um, just confusing it with like an emergency. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Personal emergency yeah. is not the same thing as a force majeure. Very, I think that's a much more yeah. clear point. Yes. Yeah. You do want to contemplate emergencies, though, in your contract. Yeah, yeah just not in that section. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and, you know, little segue there. You want to be thinking about what would you do in an emergency? Like, like I said, things happen and some frequent things happen. For example... You get in a car wreck. That's everyone's nightmare. You get in a car wreck right before you need to go on your way to the wedding or for whatever reason, what are you going to do? Or you go into labor, you know, like maybe, you know, you're pregnant, 
what do you do in that situation? What do you do if you broke your foot? I've covered for someone who broke their foot. So it's a good idea to have a buddy system out there and a really strong network of reliable vendors that have a similar style to the work that you do. Um, Again, photographers and videographers have it pretty easily because you can do the rest of the work, even if you had an emergency and still deliver something that is nearly yours, right? Mm -hmm. In the editing. Um, And I think floral designers have it pretty good too, because a lot of the work is done before the wedding. Um, So there's room for setup. There's room for emergencies to happen in that situation. Uh, Hair makeup artists. That's a toughie. That's a toughie because a lot of times the head makeup artist is the one that owns the business and they are personally booked by the bride. And if you're having an emergency and you can't make it, that's a toughie. That's a, that's a hard one to deliver on, right? Um, unless you have very well-trained, skilled employees, employees. Okay. That's important to understand. Um, but yeah. Think about your network and think about what you would do in an emergency. And do you have a couple of emergency contacts that can back you up? And are you an emergency contact for someone else that, you know, you could back them up? That's my little Desiree's soapbox moment of the podcast. Um, maybe we should like get little jingle music or something for that because I feel like I soapbox a lot. <laughs> That'd be cute. Um... Okay, last but definitely not least, this one was a very interesting email that came to my inbox a couple, right before the pandemic hit, um, before I technically stopped my law firm. Um, But this client wrote in and said that we had a planner inflate our pricing by $500 and pitched it to the client. Then... Once the client agreed, they asked for the $500 as their commission. The client signed the contract and paid the higher amount. What? (laughs) What? Isn't that insane? That's like one of the most bonker things that I've heard still to this day. That is so crazy to me. Um, Hey, planners, chime in if you're doing this. If this is something that is like common in, in your um inner circle of vendors because I've never encountered anything like that and um I hope that this was a rogue planner because what the fuck um yeah like at least talk to the <laughs> photographer first <laughs> yeah, yeah that that's insane and and this was a video group and a very well respected and highly sought after video group too so they have they're fairly well known. They're very, very, very high end. Um, an extra $500 would not be anything for the clients even blink at, you know? So I don't think that I'm not surprised that they were able to do that and, mm-hmm. and have the client sign without even thinking about it. Cause $500 was like not even going to cover the booking fee. Um, so yeah, like let's start on this. Okay. First of all, WTF, like that's so unethical. That's so shady. That is, like, terrible on a lot of levels, okay? Um, Second of all, like, what is the situation with having the planner close the deal with the client to me? Like, I know that that's a practice for some people, but it is so risky to have 
another person who's not involved with your business book your client for you. Have them review the contract, have them have the client sign and accept it. You're missing a few things, right? You're like you're missing the opportunity to vet that client yourself and make sure that they have the personality that's going to work with you. If this is a planner that you've worked with before and you have a good relationship with them, they might have a similar style to you and maybe they're booking clients in the same price range that you're used to, but you still want to meet your clients. You still want to be able to vet them and really get a feel for them before you decide to be, you know, like contractually obligated to them. Yeah. Um, so don't, don't have the planners like close deals for you. They should recommend you. They should share your information. They should facilitate like a, a meeting or whatever. That's, that makes sense. But planners too, like, don't be closing deals for other vendors. You could, you're putting yourself in a lot of, um, a lot of risk, a lot of risk and in harm's way um, by trying to, because what could happen is the client can then see you as like advocating for or representing that business. And so let's say that business, the, the videographers in the situation, let's say they go rogue and they hire an associate who's going to shoot that wedding and that person is highly inappropriate the whole wedding. That's going to ruin your brand and your goodwill, right, as a planner. So don't mix businesses, especially when there's no formal relationship to do that. Um, the other thing and the more important thing is this is fraud. This is fraud. Like straight up, that is fraud. You know, your prices are your prices. And then to have someone go in and say, oh, it's this much more, like I'm going to scalp the price basically. Um, yeah, I think that you can get in trouble for with fraud for that if you were, if the client found out. Um, and you didn't disclose that there's like a commission or that this is an extra $500 that's being charged for a commission and not actually going to the services. Not Okay. Um, that, yeah, I would say that that's false and misleading and deceptive and all kinds of really bad things under the business and profession code. Um, and then, I don't know, Deanna, what would you, what would you do if your planner came back to you and said, Hey, I booked the client for you and they paid an extra $500 for me as my commission. Would you give her the commission? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Um... Even if it would like hurt your relationship with that person? Yeah, I mean, it's just not right. Like, they should have come to me for, beforehand and just said, hey, like, yeah. would you be okay with this? Like, kind of more like a referral fee, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. They should know should, about it, yeah. I don't think it should be – like, yeah, exactly. I think that's right. A referral fee would make more sense. A commission means that you represent that person. Um, but, like, more importantly, like, they're representing your business in this kind of way. I would be okay with it if I lost them as a referral. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, just so you know, I don't, I don't do business like that. Um, so not cool, but I want to, if you've ever had a crazy story or a crazy encounter or a crazy question from a client or another situation like that, I am dying to know. Okay. Do DM me, um, on Instagram, creatives.legal.resource. Um, I am dying to know those always just tickle me. Or fire me up. And usually it's like the groom who is like, 
I have a problem with this contract and this part of it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm a lawyer and, and whatnot. And like, no, you're not. You're a law student at best. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've yeah, definitely got those from like paralegals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's always the groom. It's always yeah. the men. <laughs> or a PhD. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doctor. <laughs> Technically, we're doctors, too. So, yeah, that was crazy. Anyways, um, yeah. So, hit us up. Let us know. Um, Again, I am creatives.legalresource on Instagram. And Deanna is decosimolaw.creatives on Instagram. Also, join us on Slack. I've been getting text messages from my lovely clients, and I totally don't mind that at all. Um, if you want to be able to text us, join our Slack. I'll put a link in the description of the episode, but join us there. That's where you can talk to us and text us and um, share your horror stories because I am so curious for the tea. Always. Um, am I forgetting anything, Deanna? Um, I think you covered it all. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, see you guys next week in our robes and wine. Talk soon. Thank you. And before we go, there's a few things you should know. Founders speakers for educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as legal advice. Always consult an attorney licensed in your state if you need legal help. In some states like California, this podcast may be considered attorney advertising.